John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And of course, this is Jesus talking, giving these letters. Verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little, little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father in heaven, we ask just for the next few moments that you would enlighten our hearts. You, Spirit of God, would speak to us, that Christ would be exalted in our hearts. Lord, that you would, Lord, truly help us not to focus on the closed doors Um, and our failures, but Lord, to focus on what's before us and the opportunities for successful ministry, the opportunities to please you, the opportunities to be all that really you want us to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, that you would open our eyes to the the doors that are open um, before us. And uh, Lord, that we would step through these doors and be faithful to you. And uh, Lord, so just help now, I pray, do work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Opportunities for service. Oh, man, I can't walk now. Um, That's okay. Uh, So, opportunities for service. As we go through here, really, we see the fact that God is opening and shutting doors, don't we? There are various opportunities that God has given us in our own personal life, and in, and in our church and in our families, there's various areas and avenues. But if we look back on our life, we could see various things that God's given. And where I'm at in my life, certain doors have shut. Okay, certain things have, have already shut before me. And there's a lot of things that have already been done that are done. And, and, and that, that's okay, but that's where I'm at. That's why it's so exciting to see young people where they're at in their lives. And there's so much there. There's so many opportunities. There's so many things before them. And that's why it's so important to invest in our young people. And I appreciate, I guess all the kids did get out tonight to go up with with Drew and Zach and others that are teaching our children. I appreciate the opportunities and the different things over at the new building to help with our youth and to help with uh, our teenagers and, and helping them to know God and to live for God. And, and it's exciting to see what God is doing in the lives of our young people. But tonight I really want to give you four keys uh, for success in ministry. Okay, four, four keys uh, for success in really you could say new ministries or ministries that are now open to you. 
And I, I can't think of a, it's a special time for our church, it really is, with this new building, which is simply a tool. It's a tool, um, it's an opportunity to serve our God. Um, there's some amazing technology, there's space, there's parking, there's all these different things. God's put us there for a reason, um, as we've been on Echo Hollow for these many years. But what I want us to see first and foremost is, is this, remember the author of the opportunities, Remember the author of the opportunities, okay? Verse 7 here. Verse 7 says, let me find it. Or we read, <clears throat> really about uh, the Lord Jesus, the one who says these things to the angel or to the messenger of the church. He, he is, there's three titles here. He is holy, he's true, and he is the one that holds the key of David. And so right away, we need to remember this. This is Jesus talking, right? This is Jesus giving this. Jesus says he is what? Holy. Holy is the idea that he is set apart. Okay, that he is pure. That there is no sin within him. That is a claim to deity right there. Do you understand that? Okay, Jesus, throughout his time here on earth, he had many claims to deity. We talked in Sunday school. The Pharisees knew it, didn't they? And they wanted to get rid of him. Okay. But here is a claim. He is saying, I am holy. Uh, really, the Old Testament, Isaiah speaks of uh, Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and, li- high and lifted one that inhabited eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God is holy and he is without sin, but yet he wants to dwell with those who humble themselves, those who call out to him. He wants to cleanse. He wants to save. He wants to sanctify. He wants to set us apart. That's why as we talk about Jesus, the friend of sinners, at the same time, we could say Jesus is the enemy of sinners. Do you realize that? Because all sin has to be judged. All sin is a reproach to God. But yet Jesus, the Holy One, came to this earth. He humbled himself. And here he is. He's walking with the sinners, the publican and sinners, because he had a mission. He wanted them to be holy. He wanted them to be saved. He wanted them to be transformed, to be sanctified, to be used for him. He is the Holy One. And he is the author of the uh, he is the author of the open doors that are before us. But he wants us to be sanctified vessels for him. He is the true one here. This idea is true as in truth or genuine or real. He is the only true God. All the other idols and all the other gods that are out there are false gods. He's the only one that came back to life from the dead. He's the one that was appeared to the disciples in over four or 500 at one time. He is real. He's the one. And so when these, these doors of, of, of opportunity and these these different opportunities that we have. It's God that's giving those to us. And that's the real deal. And we need to see him, the author of our opportunities. But he's also called here the one who holds the key of David. Now, that's really interesting. The one who holds the key of David. All right. And there's probably an illustration here or... um, Illustration is not the right word, but a reference here to a gentleman named Eliakim. Eliakim, yes, I think I said that right. If not, I'll say it stronger and sounds right. Eliakim, okay? Um, 
Eli, that's what it is, Eliakim. I knew it wasn't right. But Eliakim, Isaiah 22, 15 through 25, speak of a man named Shebna. Hopefully I said that one right. But he was removed from his office in Israel. He was removed and this man was put in and he was given the key, the key in the, the kingdom there of David to be able to open doors, shut doors or the, in um, the kingdom of David or the house of David for Israel. And folks, this is real interesting because I, as I was reading this, I'm thinking about where we're at in our project right now. We have a lot of doors over at our new building. Okay. I think there's around 60. I want to, 63 or 53 is coming to my mind. Okay. Do you know that we actually have a schedule over there or a schedule we think of time, but this more is an item of all the doors, how the frames on them, the sizes of the doors, what kind of doors, um, what kind of lock sets, what kind of levers, what kind of push plates, kick plates, push pull, everything that's on there you can think of, okay? Some are commercial doors, some are residential doors, and we've got to think through all those different doors. Do you know that? Oh, there's been so much. Larry, Larry is a mastermind in some of these things. But I said, Larry, that's one thing I can help you with. I can help you with these lock sets. Little did I know what I'm getting myself into, okay? <laughs> I've, called the, I've called the gentleman over there. down. He's up in, uh, I think, uh, Portland area, Tigard maybe. And uh, his name's Mark. And I've had probably six conversations with him now, talking about different lock sets and going through that list and talking through and things have changed and various things. But one of the things that we've tried to figure out is the keys that will work. And will there be a master key that opens everything? And, and what other keys will open which doors and all those different things? But what I've learned is this. I've learned that it's important to get that right. But, <laughs> and it take, it's time consuming, but I've learned that, hey, guess what? If you don't have a key, you're not going to get in. <laughs> and if that lock set isn't keyed to that particular key, you're not, it's not going to work for you. Okay. I also learned something. You see this type of door up here? This is a um, emergency egress type of, um, it's a, uh, what do you call it? Crash bar, yes. Do you know with that door, that's set up so it's always an open door from the inside. You realize that? that? That's not supposed to ever lock. You're supposed to always be able to get out there. So, there's bad preaching sometime, you can escape there, okay? <laughs> By the way, this preacher's been out that door before, too, during a service, so some of you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but, um, but yes, that is, that's always an open door, unless you're on the outside, okay? Many times it's locked, sometimes it is open in the morning and things. But to look through that and think through all the lock sets, the keys really has the idea of authority, has the idea of this is the one who has the authority to open and shut doors. There's an authority there. And so the author of our opportunities is the Lord Jesus. And he's the one that has the authority to open doors that no man can shut. Okay. And shut doors that no man can open. And that was our prayer, wasn't it? Pastor, were you thinking of this passage when you prayed that? No, you weren't. There's another passage, a few other passages that speak of this. But that was our prayer. God, you open doors that no man can shut and that you that you close doors that no man can open. That was that's been our prayer in this project. That's a good prayer. I would I would add something to that. As I said in Sunday school, Lord, I am too dumb. I am too stupid to know what you have for me. Open and close. Make it very clear, because sometimes it seems like there's two doors that are open, but which one is the best door? Okay, Um, and so 
So we see this, that, that we need to remember the, the author of these opportunities, that really we are given opportunities from the Lord. And there are times that God shuts the doors. When God shuts the doors, we've got to be patient. We've got to wait on Him. We've got to know that, that He's bigger than, than anything that we can imagine. He knows what's best. He knows what's right. But we've got to trust Him. And sometimes we've just got to wait. Didn't Paul pray that? I prayed three times that this thorn in my flesh would be taken away from me. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but he prayed that. And what did God say? God said, no. Yeah, he said, I'll give you grace so you can get through it. Even Christ, take this cup from me, Lord. Our Father, take this cup from me. And the Father said, what? This cup of suffering you're going to go through and I'm going to give you grace for it. Okay? Um, and God did make a way still, if you want to look at that, he gave grace to go through it. But God, God gives the access. The Lord Jesus is the author of our opportunity, his full authority. But in the next verse here, we read verse eight. Jesus says, I know thy works. And he is the all knowing God. He's the omniscient God. He knows he sees everything um, that we do when no one else is there. He, he knows everything. He says, I know thy works. I know uh, what you've been doing for me. And he says, behold, I have set before thee an open door. No doubt, as it's read here, there's no condemnation. There's nothing here that he says, hey, you need to correct. No doubt, they, they had been faithful, as you'll see later, but they had been faithful with the opportunities that had already been given to them. And so now God was giving them more opportunities of service and more opportunities to minister He says, I have given you an open door. It's a gift. Do you see it? Behold, I have set before thee an open door. In the Greek there, it's given. Uh, It's set before you an open door. Our second, the first one was remember the author of the opportunities, but secondly, seize the opportunities that are before you. Understand a little bit of the, the history of or the geography of Philadelphia was on a main road going through Asia Minor. It would have been a main route. It was a route for shipping or getting trade goods, certain places, kind of like a mail. It was on a a main road there. Um, And so people were coming in and going out. This church was set in a perfect place for ministry to various people. I I couldn't help but think of uh, Gladys Elward, as, as I read about her a um, few months back or maybe a year ago with my children. And, and when she went to China as a missionary, she went and stayed with a lady, an older lady, and that lady set up a hotel. You remember that? Uh, some of you have shared this before, but she set that hotel up there because it was on a main route for the mule trains. And so she tried to get the, the Chinese folks that were on the mill train to come in and to stay, and they would feed them. And as they were feeding them, they would tell them Bible stories and about Jesus. So that then they could leave and then they could go out in the rest of China and keep sharing those Bible stories and about Jesus. You see, folks, God has given us, just like Philadelphia here, God has given us an opportunity in Eugene, Oregon, a place to minister. Um, you know, that with this with this three years of this building project, OK, or more, there's been a lot of people watching, hasn't there? Last uh, last Thursday, I think it was. Um, Bob Ellis was taking someone through the building and then someone came later that day and they were on the other side of this plywood and looking over and they said, wow, this is this is really nice. When do you open? I guess you're not open yet. (laughs) I said, no, we'll we'll let you know. okay?" but uh, but there's an opportunity and that opportunity is to reach the lost, to build his kingdom. It's for his glory. Um, 
Folks, this is a, it's a big deal, isn't it? As we said in, um, as, we, as Brother Wright said this last Sunday, and I brought it up in Sunday school classes, when there's times of growth, it is also a time of change. Good, we're starting to get it. Every time I've said that, it's been a time of tribulation and suffering, okay? That, that's not what he said, though. When you grow, he said there is, there is change. And uh, there is change, and there's a lot of things. And this, do we see it? This door at Echo Hollow, 1310 Echo Hollow, is coming shut. Um, I believe this week we are closing on this property. It's supposed to be out by December 1st. That might be negotiable, I'm not sure, but, <laughs> but it's closing. Yeah, um, and I know there, there could be some emotions about that, but God is opening another door for us. And it's exciting, but we've got to seize the opportunity. There will be changes. There will be transitions. There will be us getting out of our comfort zone. There will be all these different things as there is in any transition in any, any part of life. Um, there is. I remember, the, I remember sitting outside where my wife was inside the uh, um, inside a, a room there with a doctor, and um, she was about to have our first child. I remember sitting out there thinking, "Oh my word, um, my life is about to change," you know. And and I'm you know joy, I'm excited, but at the same time I'm thinking, "Wow, what am I getting myself into?" Okay, but but I mean you can't get out of it, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, but but that's that's a big transition. And many of you have been through that, okay? But there are transitions in our life, and, but we need to seize the opportunity. We need to make the most of this. Um, we've got to make ourselves available. We've got to trust the Lord, and there's going to be things that are different and, and changes and all these things, but we've got, we've got to look to the Lord. We've got to trust Him. We've got to, we've got to help the church leadership. Pray for your pastors. Um, this, this, probably one of the toughest things for us is if the church, you get, a, you know, more people, it's, it's harder to have that real one-on-one and, and that real close care and concern. And it's got to be other folks stepping up and helping. And we've got to be that church family as we are in many ways. So, but, you know, the other thing is that a lot of these folks, we don't know them. I mean, if come in and so just praying that, that God brings in people we can help and, and people that, that necessarily don't hinder Christ's work, but but help and and grow and you know that that church over or the the new building, boy the com- commercial kitchen how is how how are we going to use that for God's glory? Talked with Gail Ebert about that. How are we going to really use this commercial kitchen? It's amazing. Um, where we are at over there, we've already talked about doing a Bible release time with Irving Elementary School and having kids come over and looking at doing that sometime in January. And I know that's a burden for for Drew and it, it is a burden of mine and. And uh, we got all this technology. Brother John said, boy, you guys, there is so much technology here. Do you know what we're doing with our LED lights? Um, John told me that we're like one of the first people to do these, these, and I don't understand it all. To be honest, John, a lot of that, what you told me went over my head. I'm sorry. But I, I wanted to just record it on my phone. But, um, but a lot of those things, they're, they're actually using our church to, to understand it even more. And so that's just, I mean, amazing, the technology and all that and, and using those things for, for TV outreach and, 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 and all, this, all this stuff. It's, it's, wow, when you go over there, you'll notice. You'll know what I'm talking about when you see the lights and all that. But we're doing it for God's glory, for his kingdom. But folks, I want to see, remember the author of the opportunities, but seize the opportunities that are before you, but recognize the obstacles that we need to overcome. Will there be op- obstacles? 
You better believe it. Um, Paul said in um, Acts 16.8, he says, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there be many adversaries. He realized, man, there is an awesome door of opportunity in Ephesus. And he stayed at Ephesus for a long time. And really, these churches of Asia, Asia Minor were probably all started out of that church in Ephesus. We know that others, different, various people going, planning churches, Christians moving, various things. But he said, there is an open door here, but there is many adversaries. You see, there is going to be obstacles along the way. But as believers, as Christians, we need to look at those op- obstacles with faith, don't we? Not unbelief. Faith doesn't see the obstacles. Faith looks at the obstacles as opportunities. But we can become afraid. We can have unbelief. We can delay. But all these things cause us to miss out on the opportunities that God has for us. Remember the Israelites, when they, they had traveled, they were at the promised land right at the beginning. They got to Kadesh Barnea. And they had the spies go in, look at the land. Okay, some t- 10 came back and said, boy, there's giants in the land. I mean, yeah, there's huge, there's huge grapes there, okay? The land's flowing with milk and honey. But boy, the giants, the giants, the giants, the giants. What did the other two say? Yeah, there's giants. God will help us overcome it. But how did the people respond? They said, oh, no, we're not going. We're not going in. And what did God say? He says, well, you know what? The door's been shut. 40 years in the wilderness until you die off and your children can go in. That's, that's pretty strong. Do you know the next day they said, we'll go, we'll go. After they heard that, we'll go in, we'll go, we'll go. God said, no, the door's shut. Uh, what, a, what, a, um, what a warning, I guess, for us. What an admonition for us. And I don't just mean with the new building, but just for our life. When God prods us. When we're at that Kadesh Barnea, there's going to be fears. There's going to be a lack of faith. There's going to be intimidation. There's going to be all those things where we're, what are we going to do? Our, uh, Satan wants to take our mind off what we have and focus on the things of the world and be entertained and, and not focus on what God has. It says here that they had little strength. Okay, little strength. For thou hast a little strength. You know. That's probably right where we need to be and understand that in of ourself, we, we don't have much strength at all. Um, Paul, what did he say? Though he had that thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times. He said, when I was weak, then I became strong. God's grace was sufficient. And I don't know where you're at in your life, your family, what's, what's going on, but it seems like there's little strength there. But that's where God wants you to confess God, I'm not able. I need your help. I need your strength. And truly, as I keep thinking about the new building, some of us, it's a, these are big transitions. I don't have much strength. This is tough. But we need to trust. We need to look to his grace and his help in our life. He is us right where he wants us. But not only do we realize that we're insufficient, but also there was opposition. Uh, just like Paul said, there was adversaries. Um, He goes on in verse 9, he says, uh, and this is important, though, even though they had little strength, he said, um, thou hast kept my word. You have not denied my name. So even though that was that little strength, God gave them strength to persevere and be faithful. 
Don't ever let Satan give you excuses that you cannot persevere through what God's called you to. God will always give you the grace. If he commands it in your life, he will give you the grace to obey it. And that may mean you don't have friends. It may mean it's not easy. But God, the Lord Jesus sticks closer than a brother, doesn't he? He's right there to help us. But they, they did persevere through it, even though they had little strength. But there was opposition. There were adversaries. Um, uh, verse, verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. So now we have opposition, and really the opposition is coming from the Judaizers. It's coming from those Jewish people there that really have became, uh, just like during Jesus' day, the religious leaders, the ones that became envious and jealous of Jesus and wanting to get him out because Jesus is taking their place and their prestige and their power and their authority. And so as, as the gospel is going forth and these churches are going, there's now Jew, Jewish people and Gentiles turning away from the synagogue. And these Judaizers don't like it. And we know, as studied in many of the classes, the church at Thessalonica, right? The Judaizers, they went to vile men, vile idle men, I think it says, something like that. And they caused them to stir up the city, to cause a riot. Does that sound like things that have happened in our own country? To cause these riots to go against the church, to go against the, the Christians there. There was opposition you mark it up. If you're going to walk through a door of opportunity, there will be opposition. When you want to, you want to please the Lord and look to Him, there will be adversaries. The Satan will be there. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. We need to realize this, but God gives us the grace. He gives us the help to overcome. Remember Paul when he said he had that thorn in the flesh? I've been thinking on this a lot. I read an article on this. I, I, I personally, he had some physical problems. He was stoned three times. Uh, left for dead, should have died, really. Shipwrecked, all the things that took place. No doubt he probably had, had a seeing problem. They talk about when he wrote his own name at the end of the letters. They were sound like they were big so they could read it. They knew it was his handwriting. Could have been because he couldn't see very well. But really, as you think there, it says the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. That same word for messenger is that word angel here, okay? Um in in here, I think it's in reference to like the pastor. It could be a person that was his thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And probably very well could have been the who? The Judaizers that were causing all these problems and this opposition. And so we need to understand that it can be, it can be the world. It can be the lost. It can be that there's adversaries out there as we know that there is in our, in our own country, in our own town, um, but God's going to help us to overcome, um, to help us. And so um, not only do we, do we remember the author of the opportunities to seize the opportunities that are before us, but uh, recognize the obstacles that we need to overcome, but also we need to claim the promises to have a right mindset to persevere. There are promises. And this promise here in verse 9 is that there will be the Judaizers, they're called the synagogue of Satan. They're lying, they're deceiving, they're stirring up trouble. But he says, behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. That idea is that they're not bowing and worshiping them. The idea is that they will they will turn. And this is uh, probably not, uh, hopefully not just, the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. 
Uh, one day people will be forced to submit to God. But it, but it makes you think that the idea that the, those that are pressing is the idea that God will break through some of them as he did with Nicodemus and as he did with, with Paul and as he did with others in the Bible that truly, even though they're oppressing uh, Christianity, that they're watching and God is going to work in their heart and God's going to save them in his timing. And so they're, they're before worshiping and that they might know that I have loved you, that I've watched over you, that you're, you can persevere. So there's a promise there of this. There's a promise also to protect from tribulation. Verse 10 here, and this is one of the passages in Revelation that possibly speaks of the rapture. Okay, there's some different ideas here, but almost every commentator I read, Pastor, made reference that this could definitely point to the rapture. And I, I'd never seen that before, uh, totally. But it says here, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. The fact is that there would be a tribulation that would come and they're promised here to be to be taken from it. The hour of tribulation that would try the earth, that would test the earth. God doesn't promise really that we that we don't have trials and tribulations. We will, right? But he will make a way of escape through that. But here he does say, I will keep thee from the hour of tribulation. The fact is he would keep them out of that. And it does cause me to think about the rapture and the fact Christ will return one day. That he will return. It's just like the the siren bell. Now, I don't know how many of sirens are the bell. The bell at school where my kids go to school. They're looking forward to that. My, for Mike, it's t- uh, what, some weird time. 2.10 o'clock for that bell. And many of you are thinking, man, that's pretty early. I think that's early, too, to get out of school. But, but that's what they're looking for. When they hear that bell, what? Their mind is, hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? Um, but how about with your job? Many of you work a uh, uh, eight to five or nine to five job, and there's that bell. I don't know how many are doing a blue collar factory type work, but that's the idea. Is the fact is that we need to persevere. There is the things we're going to go through, but the rapture's coming. Christ will return. He says, "I will come quickly," and uh, he he will come. And not only that, it, this life is only but for a vapor, for a short time. We need to make the most of it. And lastly, I just want to say this, and there's a lot of details in here, a lot of different thoughts. But, but also, there's a promise here that God will honor those who honor him. God will honor those who honor him. It says in verse 11, or verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And the idea here is that God, God will, as we're faithful to him, as we go through the open doors, as we persevere and go through the obstacles and different things, as we're just faithful to him, that God will, will have this, this pillar. And I don't know if this, I'm thinking this is probably symbolic, but I don't know. He's talking about the new Jerusalem. Do you realize the new Jerusalem will come out of heaven? It will come on this earth. In the, and Pastor Chris talked about this in Sunday school. If you did not go to one of his classes, 
Shame on you, okay? <laughs> you were taught this, but the New Jerusalem, you read about it in Revelation 21, that will come down. This is the streets of gold. This is the pearly gates that are open. This is where Christ is the light. This is where there's no sin. There's no sadness. There is that tree of life, which I believe is a forest, and there's, there's fruit there that we can partake of that heals the nations. There's the river of life. There's all these things. What a wonderful place it will be. A place where there's, there's peace and it's, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful city. Huge city. But he talks that there will be pillars there. And those pillars really are in reference to faithful believers. And, and I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if you've studied this more out. But the idea is that I, he says, I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Uh, often in old times, they would make pillars, not necessarily to hold, many of the pillars were to hold up the structure, but some of them were made just as reminders of faithful uh, folks from the past. You ever heard that? Pillars of the church? I can think of pillars of the church that passed away in our church. And you think back on them, and it's neat to, to hear different different funds and different things that are in remembrance of them. That's kind of the idea. We have the Donna Walser scholarship. She was our church secretary went up to camp early every time to work in the kitchen she made these monster cookies in there that were just awesome but we have a scholarship in remembrance of her she was a pillar and we're not trying to um, give her too much honor but the fact is is that those that are faithful it's it's good for us to remember an encouragement they are to us but they're given a new name and i don't know what that new name will be but it says uh, i will write upon him the name of my god and, and the name of the city and um, I will write upon uh, them my new name. And so uh, just amazing what God will do. And I don't know what all that means, but I do know that God has some, some amazing things in store for us. But there's going to be open and shut doors. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be things that we got to face, not with fear, but with faith. And this church is, is facing a, a, a wide open door. And we've got to go through it. And we've got to trust the Lord. With growth comes change. And God help us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to quiet our hearts just for a second or two. And just really bow our hearts to know that you um, are such an amazing God. And Lord, so often our view of you is so limited um, and so low. Lord, you are the holy, almighty God. You're the true and living God. There's none else like you. And uh, Lord, you are in, in full control of all the events here on this earth. Now, Lord, we, we know that we need to go through doors. We need to make right choices. But Lord, even in our inadequacies, our failures, it's amazing your grace and your mercy and how you work things um, in our lives to, to shape us and form us and help us. Um, but, Lord, I pray this evening that you'd help us, Lord. If there's any, um, maybe there's bitterness tonight. There's maybe resentment in our hearts about something, whatever it may be, something in our family, something in our personal lives, something we're just maybe upset about, a door that's closed. I pray, Lord, that you would um, just help each individual to be right with you, to confess that sin, um, confess it with others. Um, Lord, we ask that you would rebuke us of our lack of faith, um, rebuke us of our unfaithfulness, um, and Lord Jesus, that you would help us to see that we are declared righteous in you. And uh, Lord, you have 
great things in store for us if we just humble ourselves and realize our inadequacy and look to you. So cleanse us this evening. Um, Or if there be anyone here tonight that maybe is lost, uh, Lord, I don't think they're going to understand much of this message tonight. And so I pray that you would do a work of grace in their heart. They'd see their, their need for you. And that really to get on this journey, first they need to bow themselves, see themselves as a sinner and turn to Christ as their Savior. So Lord, do a work. We love you now. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I hope you take that to heart. And um, that's what God has given us tonight, okay? And it is neat to see how God has laid out these different passages and, and songs and things. But why don't we close with a song tonight? And as we sing this song, I... Um,